think we established that this microphone works. Good morning. It's good to be here again. Good to see my brothers in the seats. Thank you to those joining uh, via Zoom. We're going to try some new technology marvels today with Dallas helping, so uh, good to see y'all. Thanks for being here. Let's jump right in. Today we're going to talk about um, the first relational name of the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. First, I'm going to give you a little quick review. So the first three weeks of the study, we talked about the foundational names of God, and Alec, Dallas, and Dave did a great job of bringing the word to us in describing these sort of, um, the well, what they call the foundational names, Elohim, Jehovah, and Adonai. Today, we're going to start a section on the compound names of God, and these first eight, it will be where we take the word Jehovah, uh, the I am, and marry it with a some aspect of God. Today, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. After we do eight of those, we're going to take a Christmas break, and uh, I believe Derek is set up to talk to us about the incarnational name of God, Emmanuel, God with us, which uh, will be a great and an appropriate uh, Christmas message there the Tuesday before uh, Christmas break. And then we'll return after Christmas two weeks uh, to talk about two other compound names of God, El Elyon and El Shaddai. So I just wanted to give you a quick snapshot of where we are in the study, what's coming up, and how it kind of all staples together. Today we're concentrating on the story of Abraham and Isaac um, from Genesis chapter 22. God said to Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham answered, here I am, Lord. Now this was Elohim, the creator God. You're going to see I throw a couple of tags on here every now and then just to kind of uh, orient you as to what words were used in the text of Genesis. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. So Abraham thought he'd sleep on it and decided in the morning that it didn't sound like such a great idea to him, so he relaxed around the camp and waited for God to come up with a better idea, right? Is this what's in your Bible? Yeah, no, not mine either. The next verse, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. So a lot of action words in here, basically to say, when God said go, Abraham went. There's no verse in here where Abraham, you know, questioned God as to the... Uh, uh, appropriateness of this mission he was sending him on. There's also no question as to whether God knew the value of Isaac to Abraham. He knew as his only son whom he loved. So let's talk about um, discipline and obedience for a moment. I think we're seeing this is what is being demonstrated uh, to us through Abraham's response to God's command. What is obedience? Well, we know what it's not. We know delayed obedience is disobedience. We know partial obedience 
is disobedience. And the relationship between discipline and obedience is brought to you by our friends in the United States Marine Corps. Discipline is instantaneous, willing obedience to all orders. And we know, by the way, they are always faithful, right? The Marines so good at discipline and obedience that the Navy said, hey, why don't you guys come train our aviation officer candidates and teach them a little bit of discipline and obedience. And so here's a Marine drill instructor instilling the values of teamwork, um, sacrifice of self, promotion of the mission, and a little more training. If it's big enough, like that face, that guy in the top picture on the left, the face I wore through the first four weeks of AOCS. But if you if you endure this, if you take the training, if you learn to sacrifice your own desires for the, for the desires of your team and for the accomplishment of the mission, you get to experience um, a bit of reward. You, perhaps you might be Ensign Law there in 1988 receiving your first salute from Staff Sergeant Randy J. Barber, United States Marine Corps. That's a, that's a blessing in life. Abraham's faith was demonstrated through his obedience and discipline. God said go, and Abraham went. We continue on in verses 7 and 8. As they're heading up the mountain, Isaac says, The fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said to Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb, my son. So what do we think uh, Abraham is thinking here when he answers Isaac this way? Well, you could think if uh, he was a little nervous about this mission, well, I don't really, I don't want to let Isaac know what's going on. So I'll kind of spin it. Hey, don't worry about it, son. God will take care of it. I, I don't think there's much support for that viewpoint, although it would be our natural carnal thing. Um, there's a little bit more support to think about Isaac thinking, I don't th- or I'm sorry, Abraham thinking, I don't think Isaac's going to die. And part of the support of this view would be going back to verse 5 where Abraham says to the servants, you guys wait here, the boy and I will return to you. We're going to go worship on the mountain, then we'll return to you. And then if you fast forward to the book of Hebrews, there's a support for the thought that, Isaac, that Abraham may have thought Isaac was going to be killed, but that he would be resurrected. Paul writes in Hebrews, Abraham knew that God has the power to raise the dead. And so it's possible he thought there would be a sacrifice and a, and a restoration of Isaac. Whether each of these is exactly accurate, I do not know. But I think there's plenty of uh, evidence to suggest that Abraham is thinking, I trust God, he will provide. So we continue on in the story. Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And again, you notice the same words. Abraham says, here I am. We 
we see a switch in who's talking here, who's uh, being ref referred to in the text. Yahweh, not Elohim this time, more precisely, Mlach Yahweh, the messenger of Yahweh, is saying to Abraham, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now, did, this, did God not know what Abraham was going to do? Why does he say, now I know that you fear God? He knows, right? Does he need this experience? This is an, I this is an interesting question. And the, you know, the guidance I got on this is when, when, uh, when Yahweh reaches down into our dimensionality, and relates to us, he does so in a way that makes sense to us. That he says, I have the experience of you being faithful to me. I have experienced your faithfulness. Let's talk about this messenger of Yahweh for a moment. So I, had, I, I read through the text here in my Hebrew translation and, and saw that the words were changing between Yahweh and Elohim, and I said, well, okay, why all of a sudden is it now Yahweh instead of El Elohim? And why is it the messenger of Yahweh and not Yahweh himself? And so, um, in true who wants to be a millionaire fashion, I said, uh, Regis, I'd like to use one of my lifelines and phone a friend. And so, these are my friends. I phone the uh, party master and Chaplain, I'm sorry, Ma Pastor Marty, and Chaplain Coffee, and I asked them, why Yahweh and not Elohim, and why the messenger Yahweh, not Yahweh himself? And through their wisdom and, and uh, education, tutelage, was able to come up with a couple of uh, wise explanations. Elohim is the creator, the plural, the Godhead. This is the appropriate name for Moses to write when he's when he's recording the story of Abraham and Isaac, when he's recording the story of God's plan, he's writing the name of the creator of this plan, Elohim, the Godhead. Yahweh, as we learned from Dallas a couple of weeks ago, is the relational God. You will see time and again in the scriptures, it is Yahweh who steps down and, and reveals himself through scripture to other people in the Bible. It is Yahweh Indeed, this same messenger of Yahweh who speaks to Moses out of the burning bush and says, tell them I am has sent you. And then hold on to your hats. The messenger of Yahweh, the pre-incarnate Christ. All right, so let's think about this for a minute as Abraham is preparing, he's faithful to God. He's preparing to sacrifice his son. Now, if you've ever looked at any of the, you know, artwork that is affiliated with this instance, I looked at several different uh, paintings, um, and in all of them, well, pretty much all of them, there's an angel who's restraining Abraham's arm that has a knife in it, right? So imagine the Savior, the Messiah, is blocking Abraham and says, you are not going to sacrifice your son to the glory of God. 
I will be the sacrifice at the right time. It, it, took, it, it, it stops me short when I think about that, that the Messiah has stepped in right into the plan and said, wait a minute, not yet. You will be the father of many nations. Through Isaac will the Messiah come. And again, you fast forward to the book of John when Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad. Now, Jesus makes this statement to the Pharisees who are kind of mocking him saying, are you greater than our father Abraham? And I, I think Jesus seized on that opportunity. It creates this image and I think, I, I love this imagery of Abraham getting that experience that this is the Messiah. Did he? I don't know. Is there textual evidence for it? I don't know. But if you think of Abraham thinking, uh, realizing this is the Messiah who will come and save his people, what a wonderful experience. And I, I walk away thinking again, oh, the irony that the, pre the pre-incarnate Christ steps into the plan and says, not yet. We continue on. Abraham raised his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught up in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. A little bit of Hebrew here for you again. jehovah the Lord Jireh shall be seeing. Well, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about providing. What is this seeing? And certainly, uh, Jireh appears many times in different forms throughout the Old Testament, typically meaning to see something with your eyes. But in several instances, and as in this one, it is meant as sort of a, a, um, a, a saying, a figure of speech, as you will, to see to it. As if I, as I might say to someone, don't worry, I'll see to it. Um, the Lord will provide, God will see to it that his plan will be accomplished. I like this, it gives to me a little more rich, a richer, a little fuller view of the term provision. It's not just that he provides a ram, or he provides a snack, or he provides you a meal today. He has provided an entire plan, and he's going to make sure it's accomplished. He will see to it that his plan is accomplished. What is it then that God provides? Well, what did he provide to Abraham? He provided a solution. He needed a ram for a sacrifice. He provided that. More than that, uh, he provided faithfulness. He provided that was the fruit of Abraham's discipline and obedience. He provided an experience for Abraham for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son from me. This to me is right up there with well done, good and faithful servant. What, a, what an experience for Isaac to have the messenger of Yahweh speak to him. He provided him, as we discussed, a vision of the Messiah. What does God provide to you? Well, similarly, he can provide a plan, a path, the next step a solution. He provides faithfulness to you as well. 
and through his son, through the redeeming blood of Jesus, he provides a peace which passes all understanding and a love not as the world loves, but as God loves. So is there any limit to God's provision in my life, in Jack's life? Does something limit his provision in my life? Gee, I don't know. Maybe. Sometime. So Israel, faith, and Indiana Jones, of course. Israel is led out of Egypt by Moses. And my, uh, we, we, we see then in the book of Exodus and in some following passages in the Old Testament, they are a stiff-necked people. They continually experience God's miracles, experience his blessing, and they continually turn their back on him. And every time he's faithful to renew his covenant with them. Um, I would be dishonest to say I'm not like Israel in that way sometimes. I, I experience God's blessing, his mercy in my life, his provision, and yet sometimes I question, sometimes I stumble, sometimes I'm not as faithful. What does that have to do with Indiana Jones? Well, I would not lift up Steven Spielberg and George Lucas or the whole uh, Hollywood uh, industry in general as my sources of, of spiritual inspiration, but they do know how to put imagery in front of us. And uh, I think we have a good image of someone coming to grips with the question of what do you believe?
my uh, favorite part of that clip is when Indy says, he realizes it's a leap of faith, and he kind of goes, oh. Have you ever been there? I've got to give this thing to you, God. I really, I'm at the end of, of Jack right now. I need to give this to you. It's a hard thing to do. You know, certainly most of us are not faced with uh, those types of literal leaps of faith as we just saw in the movie clip. But I'll wager, if you're quiet and still with yourself and you reflective, you'll think of those times where you had to say, you had to decide, am I doing, th- am I doing this or is God going to do this? And I wonder, do I step out in faith as I should? And, and, and this is, you know, this is a daily part of my prayer. Lord, give me those shoes that will step out in faith. So a couple of parting thoughts here. God has a plan for your life, and he will see to it that you have the necessary provisions. In, in his book on the names of God, Dr. Tony Evans talks about the fact that while Abraham and Isaac are coming up one side of that mountain, the ram is coming up the other side. It's always there. That plan is in place, and it's coming to the point where it will be fulfilled. So that plan that God has is being accomplished in your life. He blesses abundantly the obedient and the faithful, and he does not falter even though we quite frequently do. One of my very favorite verses, look at the birds of the air. They do not soar, sto- sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Father, may you send us out today knowing the value you place in us. May our actions honor that value. May we spread that value to our brothers, to those in our communities, to all those who you love. May we thank you regularly for your provision in our lives. Amen. And I'll leave you with a few questions.